I'm so excited. Okay, my first question is... Oh, wow. Oof. Ooh, that's, a, that's something to start out with. Right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it depends on who's I like looking at I think I look queer. Yes. I think I I'm look trans. like the queerest <laughs> that I've I ever looked. I think that now that I have short blue hair. For the most part, yes. I think like my haircut is... I like to hope that I give off the gay vibe. <laughs> Today, I think uh, I do. The queer vibe. What is looking queer, though? You're listening to Looking, Feeling, Queering, a podcast about what it feels like to look or not look queer. Lee and I talk about ear cuffs, the difficulties of queering winter wear, a brief timeline of denim jackets, and high school purple converse with rainbow laces. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm so glad you're here. Do you think you look queer? Yes. Cool, tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? It was a one-word answer uh, with very little follow-up. I will say, le- uh, maybe less so in the winter. I find it personally a little hard to uh, to queer my winter wear. Mm. I do, yeah. And I think I maybe would have uh, given a different answer like a year and a half ago, even. You know, we live in a huge city uh with a lot of different types of folks and a lot of different countercultures swimming around each other. And uh, I don't know that I um, have always necessarily gotten clocked as queer just because there's so many, uh, like, people from all kinds of different identities are doing a lot of experimenting with how they look. I both uh, feel like I I am queer, so I will, like always look queer to some extent (laughs) yeah and then like feedback that I get from the world um and all of those tiny little ways that we clock how people are perceiving us and how people are reading us Mm -hmm. um and the assumptions that they make about the people that we're with and you know sort of trying to piece together our stories um more and more and more consistently I'm getting I, I sense myself getting clocked as looking queer um, and some of that is just sort of like me stepping into my own style. Um, mm-hmm. Some of that is transition. Yeah, those are the totally. Are the Let's dig more into that a little bit because my next question is how have you been told that you look queer? Or first, have you been told that you've mm-hmm. mentioned that? And then, like, what are the implicit or explicit ways that you've been told that or felt like you've been getting that feedback? Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes it's harassment. Um, the theater where you and I often work together uh, is also, after a certain hour of the night, a really like happening, uh, happening, going out spot. Um, yep. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of feedback from the uh, from some of the folks who are out, um, probably not to see our downtown performance art. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and then I actually I was I was thinking back. Um, I was just reminded of of a a time in uh, was in Providence, Rhode Island, over the summer, and I was out with uh, I was out with a friend uh, who's a, a cis straight woman, and she has long, long, full curly hair, and we were at a bar together, sort of like wingmaning for each other for the night, uh, and this very uh, this very friendly, sweet, drunk guy came up to <laughs> her and said, "You have." win the best hair in Providence and she was like oh thank you that's so sweet and then he turned and clocked me 
and immediately felt a little bit bashful and said, and you have the best hair in Providence, new age category. (laughs) (laughs) New age, that's a euphemism. Yeah, it was such a goofy euphemism and also, you know, like the most benign example of somebody being like, something looks queer about you. New age about you. Yeah. That's so funny. Wow. Um, Do you ever feel too queer whatever that means or not queer enough in different settings like maybe jobs Mm. or at events or parties or Hmm. um i have become aware of how my queerness interacts with uh like a more mainstream work environment lately as i look for day job work Mm um you know i have a career as an artist but i'm also still in a position where i am trying to earn a living other ways too. There was a period when I was pretty comfortable putting on a sort of work drag, uh, which often meant like a feminizing work drag. Um, Huge air quotes around that word, obviously. (laughs) And I'm no longer super comfortable doing that. Uh, And so that means that, that that means showing up to work looking again air quotes more like legibly masculine in a sort of like uh mainstream like work appropriate again these these words feel so like you know mm-hmm. they just feel like sieves <laughs> yeah. but uh it, and there's some places where it feels uh or feels very unsafe to do that either i predict that going in to a job interview or before i even bother applying to a place um, and sometimes there are places where that uh, becomes apparent after I'm already there. Yeah, yeah. I think about the civeness of these kind of words a lot on this podcast because even, especially something like queer, is like the more we talk about like what it means to look queer, like upholds a thing that is super accurate. Like you can see it and read it on other people, and is also total bullshit. Like how do you yeah reconcile <laughs> those two things? Exactly. Like I totally see that you are queer, but also how would I know that and yeah. what if you don't look that way and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. Do you feel a pressure, maybe internally even, to display or hide your queerness in those settings? I do sometimes for uh, for safety reasons. It's it's a big reason why I have been, why, why I'm sometimes reluctant to put buttons or, uh, I don't know, any sort of like, like flag, uh, like in insignia on, the, yeah. on like the the clothes that I wear as the as those symbols become more legible to mm-hmm. a community that might be hostile to mm-hmm. me. I also I feel very comfortable navigating a huge variety of spaces, whether I'm the only queer in the room or not. However, I look. Um, I sometimes feel the need uh, when I know that I'm heading into a space where uh, there might be there might be trans people there as well to like telegraph that in some way as mm-hmm. a sort of like it's sort of a secret handshake thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I I sometimes also read as like like a butch queer, like a butch lady queer. Um, so specifically being like, what's up, trans folks? <laughs> <laughs> this is my deal. Totally. Totally. Um, let us dive into the big, big thing that is hair. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about head hair, body hair, facial yeah. hair, hair dye, cutting your hair, all of it. Yeah. 
I've never dyed my hair. Ever? Mm-mm. Wow. And I don't really have a desire to for yeah. whatever reason. You skipped that baby queer face. I did. <laughs> Somehow I did. Yeah, someone like a long time ago on this podcast joked that you like, are you even queer if you didn't have a purple hair face? I know. Oh God, I almost did. Um, uh, I just cut my hair yesterday. Wow. And so I feel uh, it has had a profound effect on my self-image. Yeah. Um, For the listeners at home, it looks very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I first cut my hair short. I was a senior in college um, in Southern Indiana and uh it was a like it was it was an aesthetic choice that was in in some ways not tied to queerness, but it was also a big like mm-hmm. it felt a bit like a big uh, like a like self affirming action, and that's also immediately when I discovered how uh, many thoughts other people have mm-hmm. about uh, when you are perceived as female in the world and uh, and have short hair. There's a lot of folks who. Uh, who have a lot of feelings. I I think a lot of that is, I mean, I have a theory that sometimes people get reminded of their, their own autonomy, their own bodily autonomy, and bristle when they see somebody else sort of sitting in hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I grew it out in, in acting school. I grew it out in grad school for a variety of reasons that I'm still sort of unpacking um and then got to a point uh started making comments to my friends like do you ever feel like your hair is a wig you can't take off I'm being like I don't feel that way there might be I don't know what this yeah. is what's going on there uh huh. and then uh eventually cut my hair very short again uh and wept outside the curb the curb outside the barber shop um you went to a barbershop? Yeah. It was a... Uh, I was in Seattle, um, and they have a bunch of uh, places that are sort of like salon barbershop hybrids. Mm-hmm. Um, Fancy that. Cutting hair doesn't have to be gender Wild, the word. right? <laughs> Completely wild. Um, yeah, and th- those are... I, those are all now always the places that I return to when I get my hair cut, because it's... Eight million times because I'm privileged enough to city to live in a city where there's multiple versions of that, and uh, it is one million times easier to navigate than a salon where often folks are uh, really hesitant to give you a haircut that they feel crosses some sort of gender line, because yeah. um, that line is so exists so hard. Like the difference of like, yeah, yeah, the difference between like using clippers to cut my hair and like a, a stylist using scissors makes a vast vast difference in how I read and how I feel yeah cool yeah. what about body hair I stopped shaving my legs and my pits uh I guess a year and a half ago for the first time and have never regretted the decision uh which is a really reassuring thing to know yeah. uh, it's, it's just very reassuring to be like no my instinct about this particular <laughs> thing is really right um i i'm a big fan of of body hair on people generally um it wasn't necessarily something that i uh did to um or I'll say that the body hair isn't doesn't necessarily denote masculinity or maleness to me. Um, 
but it was just one of those things and a big salad of things that felt very gender affirming um and gender affirming salad my favorite yeah meal. exactly <laughs> um and then one of the uh the, we're actually recording this at a very like tender time I uh there's a, a high likelihood that I will start hormones later this month. And one of the really exciting, um, one of the really exciting effects of tea to me is the possibility that I might have more hair. I might have facial hair. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really psyched about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, let's talk more about things on our bodies and talk about piercings and tattoos. Yeah. Tell me about your experience. Well, first tell me if you have any of either. I so I can see. But you do, because <laughs> I'm see looking these, at your yeah. body. <laughs> um, I have both earlobes pierced, uh, and that's the only piercing that I have. Those are the only two piercings that I have. Um, I don't have a huge desire for more piercings. I, you know, I'm a big fan of them on other people, but that hasn't been really important to me and then I just recently got my first tattoo which you can clearly see um I got it for my 30th birthday uh in Seattle when I was working on a show out there uh and uh thought a really long time about what I wanted and spent years being like is this something that I am comfortable uh putting on my body um and am now firmly in the place of uh, this is a fantastic decision and I'm super glad I have it um yeah and it's a uh to describe it for listeners uh it's a big in outline of an inverted triangle on my left forearm uh the inside of my of my left forearm um and uh yeah I could talk about what yeah talk talk a little bit is it explicitly for queer reasons it is, uh, it is, it is that, and, uh, I also like that it's a delta, that it's a symbol, that it's a, mm. you know, this old, old symbol for change. I like that it, it can carry all of those meanings at once. I specifically didn't want to fill it with a color. I didn't necessarily want to make it pink. Um, that felt even more explicitly tied to movements and periods in history and the outline felt like it could function a little bit more as a uh, as a more open symbol. And fill it with meaning. And yeah, and a symbol color. of change is both really important to me as a person in, in the midst of a gender transition, um, especially one, I don't quite want to say late in life, I'm, I'm 30 years old, so it, it's by no means late, but it is like I am a grown adult who has a lot of my life behind them um and there are in some there in some ways it does feel like uh my uh my transition like my my gender journey has uh sort of come as this surprising later in life joy yeah so those are all of the things that that are packed into my triangle tattoo i got it done at a uh, tattoo studio in seattle where all of the artists are women and non-binary people which felt totally rad (laughs) yeah I think all of my first tattoos some of them were walk-ins but just ended up being by men and then I think my most recent like 
two or three or four have been played with it and non-binary people. I'm like, yeah. That's a good trend, and we'll keep that up. That's nice. Yeah, that's great. Um, I also see you're wearing an ear cuff. Do you adorn yeah. with different kinds of jewelry in that way that aren't necessarily piercings? And yeah. And talk about jewelry more generally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I have I have two ear cuffs, and they're some of my favorite pieces of adornment of jewelry. Um, I love wearing jewelry. It's been a sad bit of my, uh, of, of where I am, uh, gender wise and dysphoria wise that sometimes, uh, wearing jewelry right now feels a little complicated, uh, and doesn't always get me read, um, in the, in the ways that I want. And I love it. I love sparkly stuff. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, these ear cuffs are um, gifts, and uh, they're metallic, so they're a little bit fancy. Uh, they feel a little bit queer to me. I'll often wear them in lieu of wearing an earring, or with like one earring. They're an important. Yeah. As much as this means anything, it reads very queer to me. I love ear cuffs. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. Um, awesome. Well, continuing the sparkly line, how do you feel about makeup? Hmm. I don't wear makeup. Uh, I can't remember the last time I put on makeup, actually. I never had a really positive relationship with makeup. I adore it on other people. I uh, I, I felt it as, as a huge relief when I realized uh, the agency I had in deciding how much makeup I wanted to wear and what kinds. In working through that, I had this fear that makeup was hiding something about my face that I wouldn't like. Um, And that was a very scary canyon to leap over of learning to really see how my face looked without makeup and then coming out on the other side of that and being like I love how my face looks without makeup feels incredible yeah (laughs) amazing so you talked a bit about it when you were talking about um your feelings around like putting on buttons and things and kind of marking that um but I want to talk a bit more about that aesthetic stuff of like buttons and patches and this what I call it like ideological real estate and like marking yourself and I think you mentioned not doing that as much now um maybe for safety reasons but like what has your experience been over the course of your life with that um and also kind of you talked about in new york or like big cities how there are people kind of marking their identity visually in a lot of ways and i think there's a really interesting crossover with like a kind of radical aesthetic with the queerness and like what is your relationship to that yeah intersection i've always been into buttons and stickers and patches it's tapered off a little bit uh it's tapered off a little bit recently i guess as i uh as my style gets a little bit more minimalist i guess um how unpunk of me oh no (laughs) um i i'm not wearing it today but my uh my denim jacket has uh <laughs> yeah i uh i have a denim jacket that has all the buttons on it right now are very queer oriented but also in a way that i feel very safe wearing um there's a little lavender badge uh that has a planet on it that says out of this binary um oh! there's a, an enamel pin of two uh two folks whose 
genders are sort of uh, like I, I think that they like uh, yeah they, they they capture sort of like fluidity that makes the uh, the pin really feel very queer to me mm-hmm. um, and then there's a big badge uh, that says don't die wandering that I got from a uh, incredible Etsy shop called rebel badges that hmm. reprints or that recreates vintage queer buttons wow. I, that's my recruiting badge <laughs> go out yeah. on the streets. yeah exactly yeah I um, did not conceptualize denim jackets as a very queer thing until I started this podcast and then mm-hmm. I was like that is like one of the strongest markers right at yeah least group of people that I've talked to yeah well their 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 connection to to uh yeah their connection to punk and counterculture is so is so fascinating to track like denim being this working class material that was appropriated by yeah people who were who were translating punk into their own uh their own wardrobes and their own aesthetics and then of course that would find its way to to queerness um yeah how do you feel about rainbows as Mm. a queer marker aesthetically did you do you or did you have phases of like having the shirts and the necklaces and the whatever or is that like too obvious or I don't want to speak for you but Mm -hmm. what is your relationship to that I mean, I love a rainbow. Actually, the first piece of queer clothing that I owned were some rainbow shoelaces, and I would wear them Cute. in high school, and that was before... In what kind of shoes? In purple Converse. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Which are unwearably worn down now, but I keep as a, as a sacred relic. Yeah. That was at a time that would have been in the early 2000s when I could... Uh, wear them and they weren't necessarily uh, flagged as a a signifier that I was gay necessarily uh, and that felt very uh, that felt very spy movie <laughs> uh, and uh, I've never I've never been a big never been a big wearer of rainbow gear I think partially because for me the rainbow flag is a useful a useful broad signifier in a lot of ways and you know I carries a, a, a meaning that I feel connected to I wrote a, a monologue I wrote a short piece about um Lena Waithe's incredible rainbow cape that she wore at the Met Gala I think partially because of its connection to gay community as opposed to um like bisexual folks or which is how I identified for a long time especially trans folks um, by the time I was I was identifying using these like other categories, uh, there were already flags for those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I instead I, I turned a little bit more towards those. those. Um, like I love the I love the trans flag, so I'm way more likely to to rock that sort of gear than a than a straight so up rainbow. And you do find yourself like using whether whatever flag it is, like the colors of the flags and things like you like that kind of marker, and you have clothing and things with that. Sometimes, yeah, a, a, a little bit. I don't have any rainbow gear anymore. Uh, I do have this one shirt that I wore uh, at a Pride event that uh, I did earlier this year. Um, it's a handmade tank top. Uh, and I was uh, I was doing a show, the show that we both mm-hmm. work on. And it was really important to me that year as, uh, to, to be visibly representing my uh transness in some way 
And so the shirt is just this tank top that has a lightning bolt that's painted in the, the colors of the trans flag. And that's the only piece of gear, that's the only piece of flag gear that I have that I wear with any regularity. But it feels good. Yeah. Well, let's talk about pride a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, have you gone to marches and things? And like, do you go to events? And what is your experience with like, explicitly this is a gay event for being Mm. or whatever adjective like what is your relationship to that I do love celebrating pride month here in New York City especially I I love the month of June turning into a joyous (laughs) gay holiday um Mm -hmm. I have complicated feelings about the New York City Pride Parade. I do get frustrated with criticisms of Pride celebrations and how like urban-centric and specifically how New York-centric they feel. Um, I feel like that leaves out a lot of cities, cities that I lived in as a young queer, where Pride parades are still are still like an authentic, in, in my, you know, admittedly like privileged and certainly biased perspective, like a meaningful moment and opportunity for a community to like express alliance like express allyship with the queer community in that smaller city or that town um and also a way for the queer folks there to be visible that said um (laughs) i find the i find the police and corporate presence at the new york city pride events really distressing and really um really dissonant and uh I, i remember very very vividly um this most recent Pride. I went to the parade with some friends. I had a ridiculous outfit on. I was dressed as an angel. I made these homemade white feather wings and was wearing like cut off shorts and a white binder. I had a halo, but it got too itchy. Um, <laughs> and then a a black armored car rounded the corner, a, a NYPD car, and I. Uh, it, it was a, a bizarre. It was a it was a bizarre moment. It was a bizarre uh, it was a bizarre aesthetic clash too. Mm-hmm. It's complicated and uh, sort of sad feelings about about um, <clears throat> our city's formal pride events. Totally, yeah. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, shifting gears. What is shop di- shopping like for you? Oh, um, do you talk to me a little bit about <laughs> where you go? How does it feel? What's up with changing rooms and all of that mess? Shopping right now feels like <laughs> it feels like a Sudoku puzzle that I have <laughs> to complete with my body. <laughs> There are some ways I have an extraordinary amount of privilege when it comes to shopping. Uh, I'm a white, thin person, and there are uh, there are ranges of there are ranges of of clothes that I can find uh, that are affordable, just fine. But uh, yeah, as someone who wears like a size twenty eight in men's pants, there's not a lot of options for me when I'm shopping in the in the men's section. Shirts in particular are uh, shirts that are not t-shirts or sweaters. Uh, in particular, are really frustrating um, because a looser fit, I think, makes me read a little bit younger. Or uh, anytime I'm like swimming in my, I feel like I'm swimming in my clothes. I, I worry about uh, being perceived as younger than I am, or uh, not quite as sharply dressed as I want to feel. 
being read as a 15-year-old is sort of unavoidable at this point. <laughs> it's frustrating, specifically shopping for formal wear. I have one nice outfit. I'm fortunate in that um, I, work in the, I work in the arts. My current day job is freelancing remotely from home. I can get by very easily with the clothes that I own right now. But it's frustrating. It's also really joyful to to meet with other uh, with to meet with other trans folks, trans masculine people, trans guys, uh, and swap tips. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, you know the old navy boys section has a lot of uh, has a lot of wonderful things. It's really distressing to me how boring I feel a lot of clothes designed for like cis men of a very narrow size range can be <laughs> in terms of color. So I often find myself going to places like Zara where they, uh, like their lines often like give the men a little bit of sequin. I'm like, oh, thank God. I don't have to wear <laughs> navy and dark red for the ninth time this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned your tank top with the trans flag on it but do you have any explicitly to you queer clothing and accessories that aren't necessarily like a flag but Mm -hmm. something that like if you're going to a certain event or you like want to meet cute people or whatever you're like this is my queer look Mm. I don't think I do I would say the closest thing I have to that is my uh is my jacket when it's you know in like the spring or the fall that has a few little it has a few little signifiers on it I love wearing my ear cuff as a sort of like alternative to adorning myself in some way. No, I don't really have specific wardrobe pieces that I fall back on. Yeah. And thought about think, that. I don't think that's boring. And maybe it just means that as much as you want to look weird, that just means your wardrobe is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> is that already? Yeah, I find that as someone who sexually is queer but also like gender wise is non-binary and like still is assigned female birth and like goes still with the feminine aesthetic it's like pretty much impossible to um have anyone who isn't like very 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 attuned to not assuming something Mm -hmm. um read that in any way and so I just kind of don't worry about it but I do find myself like if I'm going to parties or whatever like wanting Mm. to wear like dark lipstick or like an interesting crop top or like showing off my tattoos in certain ways and being like how can I make myself look more queer as possible if I decide to keep my long hair which I every day is a decision yes yeah Um, but yeah that's kind of where that question comes from Mm -hmm. I always phrase this question as yes or no but like obviously the answer is mostly yes but has your do you feel like your identity particularly in regards to like aesthetics and how that comes out um, has changed over time and, and also do you feel any parallels with previous versions or iterations? Mm, I love that question. I have a very simple answer to that, which is yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, before I uh, before I started to consciously identify as a transmasculine person, I was working really hard at being uh, like a cute femme cis lady (laughs) (laughs) and I have a lot of affection for you know for that aspect of myself and I'm also experiencing a lot of joy in this period when I'm getting to um like splash around in like the the 
sort of like butch adolescence that I didn't get Mm -hmm. to have that I felt like was closed off to me for a million reasons um you know I talked myself out of dressing more uh dressing more masculinely dressing more butch even after I learned what those identities were as a as a young person as like a young college student for a million reasons it felt closed off to me uh like not something I could pull off or not something Mm -hmm. that I could do successfully um, and I think, of course, it's very interesting that I was like, well, I don't want to try that unless I can be the best version of that. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. <laughs> you might you might be transgender if. Um, I'm, I'm surprised how much comfort I found in starting to dress more uh, m- more masculinely. I'm trying to I'm trying to find the right words here because the, again, like that word feels just so porous to me. Like I have, like I found a lot of joy in the clothes that uh, get me read as a, that get me read as a, a person with like a, like a male-ish aspect of their identity and all of the ways that I can uh, see and affirm myself in new ways through clothing. That's been a huge joy of like the past calendar year, especially, mm-hmm. um, and feeling like feeling hot for the first time is an incredible feeling. And also uh, like a twinge of sadness of um, the things that I used to love about how I dressed that mm-hmm. now uh, don't feel don't feel quite relevant. There's some gray area. I when I uh, edited my closet, there's a big bag of uh, like eventually clothes of like mm-hmm. hold like d- wait here in this plastic space bag. Um, I'm going to want to wear you eventually, probably. Uh, but probably not right now. Um, Daniel Orberg, who's a writer I mm-hmm. adore, had a beautiful way of describing this. Um, as he was editing his closet during his transition, uh, he he described like paging through these uh, clothes that he wore when he identified as a woman, like a language I used to speak, um, which I think perfectly captures like mm-hmm. the bittersweet nature of like these clothes were meaningful and uh, mm-hmm. these clothes were meaningful to me. And may carry meaning for me in some way one day. Also a big part of the the transition decisions that I'm making, specifically regarding medical transition, uh, really excite me because they of the promise they hold that I will be able to um, feel comfortable with different kinds of adornment uh, once these uh, these other things that I'm excited about are are a reality. Like. Um, there's things like lipstick and more uh, like flashier jewelry and uh, color that I'm really excited to feel comfortable returning to at some point. Yeah, there was something you were talking about when you kind of reflected on the porousness of words like masculine. That's something I think about a lot in that there like are, I think there are more than two, but like there are definitely like two camps of a whole set of aesthetics and personality traits and all of these things that like yes they get called masculine and feminine and so like what a lot of the work in recent history has been is to like move away from calling it that like it can't like girls can also wear pants like Mm -hmm. just etc on and on like all of these things like it's harmful to have it limited to a certain type of people but then it's like okay what are we left with because there are different aesthetics like what do you and so I, I find that like I don't know maybe it's helpful sometimes to describe it still like maybe it is still like a masculine and a feminine aesthetic and that like if we succeed in like even if it's just in certain communities like if we could succeed in separating it from the people it's applied to like 
what does it mean to analyze it as like an aesthetic mm-hmm. and being like and thinking about how like for cis femininity for example like that rubber band is so stretchy is how mm-hmm. I describe it like a cis woman can get away with like so much aesthetic and still feel very strongly in that and like mm-hmm. being um validated in that and like mm-hmm. read as that but then like obviously for trans women or trans people like that rubber band is like not even mm-hmm. it's like it's an old rubber band that is not to snap like you can't um move it and, you, and it's so confining and I'm just like that's just something I think about a lot and like yeah. in terms of that like stretchiness of like I don't think we have to do away with like I think doing away with categories for people would be helpful but like <laughs> there are different like it doesn't not everyone has to wear like a kind all the colors like there are still different you know aesthetics yeah I don't know yeah it's ongoing forever conversation yeah so my next um kind of last big section to talk about is this this understanding of of queerness and the visualness of that in relation to other people and Mm -hmm. so talking about like what it feels like um to look or not look queer like in partnership with another person or like from the outside when you're walking with someone or like in a group of people the like validation or not of that mm-hmm. want to talk about that at all mm-hmm. I'm very aware of that uh, I think because the world's perception of my gender identity is so uh, varies so much from day to day and hour to hour and is so dependent I've noticed on who I'm with if I am with uh, cis men or people who get read as cis men, uh, I am less likely to I'm less likely to read as a masculine or a male person. I have a hunch I am not a uh, I am I am not a scientist in any way, <laughs> but I uh, I have a hunch that there is something about an expectation of like a heterosexual pair that our brains are trained to to look for. Mm-hmm. Whereas with I'm when I'm out with someone of of any other gender variety uh it's way more of a it's way more of a toss-up and as somebody who dates people across the gender spectrum that's always a real fun aspect of dating of uh how are we going to get gendered by this waiter it's a real toss-up that used to be something that caused me a lot of distress especially when i was uh being read as a more frequently as a cis straight woman in partnership with a cis straight man I know a lot of my friends who are who are bi cis women talk about this all the time about uh, feeling invisible not getting uh, flagged as part of the queer community when they really want to uh, because of their partnerships or because they uh, who who they're out in public with I have huge empathy and understanding for that, that distress I do notice that the more um, the more I sense myself being clocked as uh, as visibly queer, as visibly queer. Obviously, uh, there's been a little bit of an uptick in in harassment. The foil to that has been that I've found other queers in public situations, specifically on the train, is when this happens most mm-hmm. often. I, I've noticed a little bit of a magnetic effect, which feels really great. I've started noticing that I'll look up when I'm standing and waiting for a train on a platform late at night, that someone who's setting off my queerdar a little bit has sort of gravitated towards me as we're sort of like <laughs> stranded on this late night platform, which feels really incredible. So yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of a, a blessing buried in the, the scariness of, of navigating a, a world that 
is occasionally hostile to people at Clocks is queer. Absolutely. Are you ready for the last question? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your favorite piece of clothing or accessory? (laughs) Tell me why, how you got it. You can break the rules. Multiple. So my favorite, my favorite piece of clothing. I have a pair of their black boxer briefs that have gold constellations on them. Cute. And they are my favorite. They feel very gender affirming. They feel very fancy. I love stars and space <laughs> and astrology. And uh, I think I look hot in them and also a little bit cute. Yeah, they're my favorite. Hey, yeah. I love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you, Leah. This has been wonderful. Thank you for listening to Looking, Feeling, Queering with me, Leia Miller. Check out our Twitter at LFQ Podcast to see other episodes and great quotes.